Good morning. We still have a few out in the in the in the foyer there, but we're going to go ahead and get started. Y'all look so nice on Easter. What a great day! And we're going to get some announcements out of the way for Children's Church. We're going to need a volunteer for the next for these three dates: April twenty third, May seventh, and May the fourteenth. The Mclemores will not be here. So we need somebody to step up. You don't have to do all three of them. If you can just do one, that'll be fine. But just get with, the, with Merle or Ron, um, Randy Dole or Dan, any of those, and let them know. Please, please somebody help us out with that. Um, men's breakfast, April 15th at 8.30, back in the fellowship hall. And then men's Bible study is May the 6th at the same time, back in the fellowship hall. Heart to Heart will be April the 18th at 6 in the Fellowship Hall with Carrie Turpin. And I believe is Leanne doing worship. Yes, she is. And then Leanne Hart will be doing worship. Um, Y'all don't want to miss that. So, And bring somebody with you. It's not just for the ladies of our church. We're trying to, you know, we're all one family. So the more we can get here, the better off. Uh, Prime Timers, April 29th at noon at Roma's at the Italian restaurant, and you're just meeting there, correct? And then the kids are having an egg hunt. Should be any time now, so um, I hope they find them all. I don't know how the, the youth hang out. Anybody know how that went? It went well? Perfect, perfect. Okay, if y'all want to stand to your feet, we're going to go ahead and start our worship service this morning. Father God, we just thank you. Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us for Easter, God. Father, help us to never take the true meaning of Easter for granted, the crucifixion, the resurrection, God, and what that, what that holds for us, God. Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do in this service today, God. We thank you for your presence in this place, God. We ask you to just take full control over this service and just have a have your way in Jesus name we pray amen amen go ahead there's a blessed time that's coming coming soon and maybe evening morning or at noon there's gonna be a We shall see the king, we shall see the king when he comes. He's gonna be coming in time, we'll have the blessed heart, and we shall see the king when he comes. Are you ready? Should the Savior call today? Would Jesus say, Well done, or go away? He's built a home. We shall see the king, we shall see the king, we shall see the king when he comes. He's gonna be coming in power, we'll have the blessed heart, and we shall see the king when he comes. 
crown our Savior, King and Lord of all. All the kingdoms of this world shall soon before Him fall, and we shall see the King when He comes. Oh yes, we shall. We shall see the King. We shall see the King. We shall see the King when He comes. He's gonna be coming in power with hell and blessed high. And we shall see the King when He comes. Oh, let's sing that one more time. Yeah. We shall see the King. We shall see the King. We shall see the King when He comes. shall see the king when he comes. He's going to be coming. He's going to be coming in power. We'll have the blessed high. And we shall see the king when he comes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that's a promise. That's a promise, ready or not, we're going to see him when he comes. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and Lord alone. Father, we look so forward to that day, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the preach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your sight so you made a way across some great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul and for the first time I had hope and thank you Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, you have washed me white. And thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me out of darkness into glorious light. took my place, lay inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, and then you walked right out again. Now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of 
for the freedom he has won even death is dead and done his life has overcome and speak say the name above all names over every broken place he is risen from the future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. And now on a throne of majesty, the Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. to the King. He is worthy to receive all the worship we can bring. Sing that again. Sing. Sing hallelujah to the King. He is worthy to receive all the worship we can bring. Oh, what He's done. What He's done. future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Oh, sing that again. What he's done. What he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Done. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for the accomplishments of Calvary. Amen. Right now, what we do know is this. We know that Jesus Christ came to give his life a ransom for many. Anybody say amen? I'm telling you what we do know. We know this. We know that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Anybody say amen? See, you're, you're fighting a defeated enemy. Uh, the devil's dumb. I said the devil's dumb. You know, uh, we, we give the devil far too much credit because he's already defeated. Uh, Jesus on Calvary, now, it looked like a terrible mistake. If you remember, I preached with you la to you last week. It looked like a total failure, the Son of God dying on the cross of Calvary. But the reality is the spiritual forces of evil had no clue what God's plan was. Scripture tells us that they would have never crucified the Son of Glory had they known, had they known what Jesus was doing. When he died on the cross, what he died for was you and me. When he died on the cross, he literally took your sin and my sin and literally nailed them to the tree. Thank God for that. Uh, he came, if you will please, to give his life that ransom. And he came on a rescue mission. I I'm, I'm a, was a Tulsa fireman for 17 years and, until I blew a disc. And, and one of the greatest honors for me personally is to have saved a few lives. Uh, I was on the first squad one, which took apart cars. Uh, we worked all the car wrecks in Tulsa. And we were the very first jaws of life uh, in in city of Tulsa. And so we worked virtually every car wreck, especially if there was a, a, somebody needing to be set free. Uh, there was one day there was a baby that drowned in the pool next door and I was able to, uh, the neighbor ran over real quick, was able to go over and give that baby a couple of breaths and induce vomiting, flip her over, breathe her again. And that baby's 32 years old today, you know? And, and I love that. But I'm gonna tell you, listen to me, the greatest rescue mission was Jesus Christ. Jesus came on a rescue mission. He came to give his life that you and I would be free. And thank God for that freedom. Uh, I, know, I know there's some of you that are like me. I was raised assembly of God and I wasn't until I was 19 years old that I ever raised my hands in church. I mean, I was 19 years old uh, and I was around it all my life. I didn't think that tough guys <laughs> raised their hands. I thought that's just the little old ladies and that's just the preachers that do that. But you know what? When I recognized that my God is worthy of my worship, I got to the point where I didn't give a rip what other people thought. Are you with me? Now, I tend to be blunt, and there's some of you that are new this morning, and this is that blunt old guy, you know, up in front of you. But I just love Jesus, and I hate the devil. And I hate to see the devil who is defeated. I hate to see him win. 
I would love to invite you to worship the Lord. That's what I'm about to do. And, and this, is, this is Resurrection Sunday. This is a time to put a smile on your face and thank God that Jesus Christ conquered the grave. And we're going to be preaching a little bit more about that here in a moment. And I don't want to preach now, but what I want is, is this. I'd love to just incite you to worship. Would you say amen? Let's worship him together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the accomplishments of Calvary, what you did. We thank you, Lord, that you came from the glories of heaven. You humbled yourself, being fashioned in the form of a man, and you were obedient all the way to the death of the cross. Thank you, Lord, that at any time you could have called legions of angels, and you literally could have destroyed the earth and started all over. But Lord, you chose to pay the price in full. And Lord, now we glory. We glory in Calvary. We glory in the accomplishments of Calvary. We glory that we are children of God. We have bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to you. And Lord, we thank you for the victory, the victory that we have right now because of you and the accomplishment. Thank you, Lord, that you led captivity captive. Thank you, Lord, that you even went to that place of holding and, and you brought all the saints back in total victory. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of conquering death and conquering the grave. And thank you, Lord, that now we as your children, we can openly worship you. So we bless Jesus, name above every name, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. And Lord, we pray that in this meeting today, that Lord, you would be blessed. We pray that in this meeting today, that the name of Jesus would be exalted. Lord, we live in a world that has seemingly turned their back on our God. But Lord, here's a group of people that look at you as the author and the finisher of what we stand for, our faith. So Lord, may you be blessed in every part of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. Amen. If you would, do away with those pews. Do away with the aisles. Get around and shake hands and, and wish everybody a happy Easter. It's okay to be friendly. Uh, we're all going to heaven together. Get to know each other now. Just bless your heart. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate you. Bless your heart. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all very much. God is good, amen. Now y'all saw me with my jacket on, okay? I took it off. I, I did what I was told and looked real nice for Easter. 
Thank God for his many, many blessings. Amen. I've had two or three people say, now what have you changed or something? To, I shaved my beard off. And it's so good to be clean shaven. I kiss so much better like this. <clears throat> well, that's what she tells me. That's what she tells me. And God is faithful. Amen. Great to see you in church on Easter Sunday. And I love hearing you laugh and because I believe that Jesus is watching us. I said, I believe Jesus is watching us. And I believe that he really likes it when we enjoy being with each other and when we celebrate his resurrection. So today is all about celebration. It's Celebration Sunday. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, we were going to receive our Sunday morning tithe and offering to ushers. If y'all would please prepare yourselves. Uh, this is us giving back to the Lord just a little portion of what he's given us. Uh, is this how we buy our way into heaven? Thank God, no, because I'd, I'd not make it. Anybody say amen? amen. Uh, I couldn't pay enough to pay for my sin. No, but this is us just doing what we think and believe with all our hearts that God wants us to do, and that is to put him first in every area of our lives, even in our funds, even in our money. But, uh, Brother Deacon Randy, would you bless our offering, sir? Lord, if you would let me make mention, the deacons have asked me to mention tonight there is no service. We encourage you to be with your families. And uh, Paul and I have the pleasure of going to Duncan, Oklahoma. Uh, this afternoon we're supposed to be there about 5.30. And we have one of our grandsons that have asked us to be there because he's going to propose to his girlfriend. And I, ah. And so that's one of those sweet things. And then I've got my razor out front, and we're going to go and spend the night here and then go to Lake Murray tomorrow and play in the mud. And all the guys go, oh. <laughs> the ladies went, ah, for Paul. And then the guys go, ah, hoorah. Hoorah for the guys. God is faithful, amen. amen. Uh, it, it is so good to be a Christian. Amen. The smartest decision, the number one smartest decision I made was to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Thank you for those thunders, amens. 
Okay, let me, oh yeah, I caught you off guard, I'm sorry. Uh, if you agree with me, here we go. The smartest decision I ever made was when I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> very, very. Okay, guys, get ready, all you guys. The second smartest thing I did was when I asked her to be my wife. Every guy ought to go, amen. Yeah, that was your opportunity. God is good. I've got a word. If you would, get out your Bibles. I believe everything the guy up front talks about, everything he says, should be founded in the Word of God. We don't want man's opinion. We don't want New York current bestseller. We want the all-time bestseller. And that is the Word of God. Uh, we're going to receive communion. And let, let me give just a couple of instructions. We'll have communion at the conclusion of the service. And what we observe is open communion. You do not have to be a member of this church to receive communion. All we ask is that you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. First um, Corinthians chapter 11 gives us a warning. And the warning is, is if you receive these elements in an unworthy manner, you're bringing judgment against yourself. And it says that for this reason, some are sick and some have even died. So this is very, very real. I mean, this is critical. So what I'm praying is, is this. Look, look at me, please, because I'm going after you. You came into this church, maybe not prepared to take communion. If we were to have communion right now, you couldn't. My prayer is that through this message, by the time I'm through, you're ready to receive communion Amen. because you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Amen. That's my target. My target is just up front. Uh, I've learned a long time ago, the best thing for me to be as open and honest with you and transparent. I'm going to let you know my target. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my prayer is that at the end of this time together, that you know Jesus, Amen. that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. We've had a, a couple of praise reports already this morning of what God has been doing these last few weeks. I'm kind of an interim guy. I'm, I'm here until you get your pastor. But I still believe that we ought to come expecting the miraculous, expecting to meet with Jesus. Uh, it was a great report to hear of, of answers to prayer. And I'm not going to give you all the things that I've heard thus far this morning. But at the same time, let me just tell you, God is still upon the throne, and He's still answering prayers. Amen. If you would, please find your Bible. When you find your Bible, find 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go to these two locations, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and then Mark chapter 16. And if you'll notice the title of the message, it is Resurrection Difference. I, I find in Scripture that the resurrection made all the difference. I'm going to make a statement, and, and, and it's going to sound a little radical at first, but let me make it, and then I'm going to prove it to you. One of the most important events, in fact, I, let me change it, the most important event that happened in Christianity is what we're celebrating today, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to prove it to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the most important event that has happened in human history. Well, what I find is, is this. I find that there is two categories of atheists. If you would please notice the screen, and, and I gave these definitions. One category is a professing atheist. These are people who boldly profess to not believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. They choose to deny any existence of God, and they refuse to deny any evidence 
of God. I'm doing a podcast this Wednesday, and the podcast is Help My Unbelief. And in the Help My Unbelief podcast, there's many people that come on that are atheist, agnostic. There's, uh, last week was a ex-witch, and, and there's people that are really hardcore against God. And I understand there's such a thing as a professing atheist. They will boldly tell you, I don't believe in God. I don't want anything to do with your God. I believe there is no God. That is a professing atheist. The other category is a practicing atheist. Uh, these are people who live as if there is no God. They ignore the Bible. They deny Jesus any entrance in their lives. I mean, if you really talk to them, there's a bunch of good old boys or firemen and guys that you work with every day. You talk with them, they'd say, oh yeah, I believe, I believe there's a God. They're practicing, though, as if they're not. In other words, it doesn't matter if you say, well, I believe there's a God, but if you're living as if there's not a God. Are you with me? These are, if you will, please, these are practicing atheists. The outcome for both of these are the same. Whether you're boldly saying there is no God or you're a good old boy, love your wife, love your kids, and, but you're just living as if there is no God. Both of them, the outcome is the same. Both are living without God. Both are denying the truth of the Bible. Both don't let the biblical principles influence their lives. Understand this, for these atheists, death is a big deal. Let me say that again. For the atheist, agnostic, for that witch, for that caught up in the pagan worship, death is a big deal. Uh, for them, death is the end of life. For them, death is the end of any hope. For them, death brings God's judgment. It's, it's a truth. Now, I believe it's sad. I believe it's very, very sad to live this life with no belief in life after death. Anybody say amen? Uh, to me, if there was no life after death, this would be a very cruel existence. If all we had was, you know, I'm 68 and, and some of you are older than I, but if all we had was 100 years, 125, man, what a rip. What a rip off. Anybody say amen? Man, how awful it would be if all we had was these few years. And then uh, all the challenges and all the garbage that goes with life. You know, I don't know if you realize it, but life's pretty tough. You can't be a sissy and live. Okay, note with me, 1 Corinthians. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I, I find an important teaching concerning all Christianity and what is the most important. What is the most important event that has happened in the history of mankind? I find it, I find the answer here. In 1 Corinthians 15, 12, now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, and that's what I'm preaching, that he has, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So, in other words, how in the world are some of you saying that when you die, that's it? It's just death and it's all over. Nothing after the grave. Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found as liars. We're a bunch of liars. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ has not risen. If Christ has not risen, your faith is absolutely worthless. Your faith is futile and you're still a sinner. You're still in your sins. 
then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're perished, they're rotten in the grave. Do you see that? Uh, Notice with me verse 19. If in this life only, if all we've got is this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. We are to be pitied. If all we have is this, then you better pity us Christians. That's exactly what Paul is teaching. If you will, notice with me, because I believe this is a critical teaching for us today. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 in the English version, TEV, the English version says, if our hope in Christ is good for this life only and no more, then we deserve more pity than anyone else in the whole world. We deserve more pity than anyone if we Christians, if all we hope for is just this life. Uh, the King James says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, we are of all men most miserable. So understand, if you would, kind of the, the summation. Th- this is a summation because I'm a real analytical thinker, preacher, and teacher, and, and I like to come from the perspective that you're asking me questions, and I'm trying to answer the questions that you're thinking, and I want to give you the answers of those questions. So here's, uh, without Christ, this is kind of the summation. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, without Christ rising again, our preaching is vain, empty, useless. Faith is empty. We're a bunch of liars. We're still in our sins. We're still sinners. The dead are dead, and, and we're, we're miserable. Uh, we have every right to be pitied and be, to be totally miserable if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. Do you see why this is the most important event that ever happened in history? Because if it didn't happen, then we're wasting our time. In fact, let, let's be real blunt. If, if all we have is Bible study, church services, praise and worship, prayer meetings, Christian fellowship, hope in only this life, we're wasting our time. If all we have is this little bit of religion, we get together and, you know, pat each other on the back, kind of smile a little bit and be maybe nice to each other. The reality, if this is all we've got, we are wasting our time. Uh, we might as well be an atheist if there is no eternal life. If there's no internal life, you might as well be an atheist. You might as well just live as if there is no God. Uh, If all we have are the teachings of Jesus, the expectations of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, and the claims of Jesus, without the resurrection from the dead, without eternal life, this is empty, useless religion. Please understand what Paul is teaching us. See, understand, it was approximately 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday afternoon. We call it Friday Uh, on Friday afternoon that Christ died. He said those words, it is finished. He came for a purpose. He came for a design. He completed his mission, and he died on the cross. Understand, at that moment, the disciples were convinced it's all over. It's all over. At that moment, at the death of Jesus Christ, the disciples left Calvary defeated. They left Calvary with no hope. They left Calvary grieving and mourning. You need to see this with me. If you would please go to Mark chapter 5, because what we've got here are some resurrection atheists. Uh, when you, if you would please look with me at Mark chapter 16. I'm sorry, I said Mark 5. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 9. And I, I want you to notice this very closely, because here's some resurrection atheists. And they're the disciples. Um, verse 9. Now, when he rose early 
on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She, Mary, went and told those who had been with Jesus, as they, this is their condition, as they mourned and wept. See, they're just grieving, mourning, mourning, weeping, because Jesus died on the cross. He's dead. It's over. Let's grieve. Verse 11. And when they heard that he was alive from Mary and had been seen by her, they did not believe. They said, we don't believe you, girl. Bunch of atheists. Resurrection atheists. Um, after that, he appeared in another form. Luke gives us a little bit more insight. The two on the road to Emmaus. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, to the disciples. But they did not believe them either. So now they're just convinced that Jesus Christ has died and he's dead. They are resurrection atheists. They, they just flat out do not believe. Now, understand, they refuse to believe Jesus arose from the dead. They refuse to believe that he conquered death in the grave. So the question is, is this, what was their emotional condition due to their unbelief? They were grieving, mourning, notice with me, weeping. Uh, they were defeated. They were faithless. If you will, when we go to that scripture reference in Luke chapter 24, it gives us a little bit more insight in Luke 24, verse 11. And it says, the disciples' response was this, and their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. When they listened to the two on the road to Emmaus, what they said, that they had walked with Christ, and, and then Jesus talked to them, and then they went in and broke bread, and when Jesus broke the bread and blessed it, they go, well, it's you! And they told all that story to them, and notice what they decided, you're lying. Sounds just like an idle tale. Like, you're, you're making that up. Sounds like a story. Um, the NIV, their words seemed to them like nonsense. See, they're pretty convinced. I'm not going to believe. Okay, now understand. Try to imagine being one of these disciples during this time of unbelief. See, this is the culture that we lived in. This will help you understand the people that you meet at Walmart, the people that you work with, the people that we come in contact with on a regular basis, because they're living like this. They're living as if there's nothing after death. And please understand, they had a reason to be miserable. They had a reason to grieve. They had a reason to be just a bunch of old Part, uh, old pouty faces, all upset because they believe Jesus Christ died and he, he, he's dead and stayed dead and was nothing but dead. He's graveyard dead. He's dead dead. So they had every right to be totally, completely miserable. I want to share with you why they had the right to be miserable. Number one is because of what they had believed. See, they, they had believed that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. As resurrection atheists, remembering what Jesus said 
made them miserable. This is the seven I am's of Jesus Christ. Uh, John is the only place that records them. And John records the seven I am's of Jesus Christ. He's in there, he said in 635, I'm the bread of life. 8 and 12, I'm the light of the world. 10 and 7, I am the door. 10 and 11, I am the good shepherd. 11 and 25, I am the resurrection and the life. 14 and 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 15 and 5, I am the vine. That's the seven I am's of Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus was dead without any resurrection, understand this. Everything that Jesus claimed to be was now a question. Right. Uh, you're logical. I'm logical. Man, if you claim to be the, I am the resurrection and life, when did he say that? John chapter 11 with Lazarus. He just brought Lazarus back from the dead. He just conquered that guy's death. And now everybody's standing in awe of Jesus. Jesus just steps forward and says, I am the resurrection and life. Who believes in me? Though he may die, yet shall he live. Are you with me? Amen. Now he's dead. He's graveyard dead. And they didn't believe anything, but he was dead. So now everything that Jesus said is up for question. Are you with me? Amen. They have every right to be miserable. And listen to me. We're living in a world of people that are so frustrated. We're living in a world, they're so hacked off at Walmart, and they, they, they honk a horn at you, and you better duck, because they're getting ready to pull out a 45, you know? You know the reality, everybody's on such edge. Can you say amen? amen? It's a culture that we live in. This helps me to understand the culture I live in, because I'm living in a culture that doesn't believe that there is something after this life. Uh, understand in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 17, uh, it, it said, and if Christ is not risen, your faith, everything you believed that he said is futile, worthless. Uh, you are still in your sins. See, a, a resurrection atheist, their faith in Jesus was shattered. Their joy was gone. Their hope turned into nothing but grief and mourning because Jesus was dead. See, their faith was vain, and understand, everything that Jesus had said was now up for question, because he didn't do anything but die, and that's all they believed. Uh, the next reason I see that they have every right to be miserable is, number two, because of what they had preached. If you'll notice with me in Luke 9, 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus called his twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach. Notice with me. He sent his disciples to go preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So understand when he sent these out, the twelve, and they had preached that Jesus was the Christ. If you remember with me last week, we did a word study, that word Christ coming from the Greek word Christos, meaning Messiah, anointed one. We know that Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus the Messiah. You're not saying Jesus, last name Christ. It's Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Now, these disciples had preached that. They'd gone out and said, hey, Jesus is the one that we've been longing for. Jesus is the one that we've been anticipating. Jesus is the one that God had promised that he was going to come. He is the one that is going to set us free. Yes. Understand, they preached. They had preached that Jesus as the way to eternal life. In him is life, and, and not only life and abundantly here, but it's eternal life. In him is a promise that we're going to live forever. Uh, notice, uh, he had pre they had preached hope and future through Jesus as Lord and King. 
Now with him dead, they felt like liars. Everything that they had preached was now up for question. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross, and as far as they're concerned, he's in the tomb rotting. He's dead. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 14, it says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching, then our preaching, what we preach, it is empty, and your faith is also empty. In other words, if you heard that preaching and you put faith in it and then took a step of faith, then everything that you did is useless. You wasted your time there because Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead. So understand, if Jesus was dead and there was no resurrection, they had the right to be miserable because of what they had believed, because of what they had preached, and number three, because of what they had lived for. Understand, Jesus made some pretty tremendous promises. And notice with me, John 18 and 36, a kingdom not of this world. John 10 and 28, Jesus promised that he would give eternal life. In John 14 and 16, he had promised a helper was going to come. He says, it's to your advantage that I leave. If I leave, I'll send the comforter, the helper. He'll come and be with you, not only with you, but he'll dwell within you. And it's to your advantage that I do that because that allows the presence of God to be omnipresent everywhere all the time inside of every believer. Uh, tremendous promise. He made a promise, if you will, in John 16 and 33, that he had promised that he would overcome the world. You know, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Uh, in Mark 11 and 24, he promised answers to prayer. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe, and you'll receive. Tremendous promise. He made a promise in Luke 22 and 30. He promised that there would be thrones in heaven for these disciples, these leaders of the church. And meaning that he, Jesus, is going to be in heaven, seated at the Father's right hand, and that they were going to be able to make it to heaven. They were going to be able to make it to this promise of eternal life. They lived with and for these promises. But notice with me what 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, this I'm using the contemporary English version, the CEV. It says, if our hope in Christ is good only for this life, we are worse off than anyone else. If all I have are the promises of Jesus Christ, he made these tremendous promises, and, and I've lived for those promises. And if he died and stayed dead, then everything I believed in is useless. And, and, and my life is miserable. I have the right to just do nothing but go sit in a corner and just have a miserable life. Amen. See, understand, these disciples were miserable because of what they believed, what they'd preached, and what they'd lived for. And now Jesus was dead. Mary tried to tell them he was alive. The two on the road to Emmaus seen him and tried to tell them that he rose from the dead. But the good news is this. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm, I'm tired of you being such a whoop. The good news is this, Jesus Christ did conquer death and the grave. The good news is Jesus did arise from the dead. Amen. Uh, he defeated death. Uh, if you will, please notice with me the next verse. I, I stopped at 19, and I know y'all all read over into 20 if you had your Bible. 
uh, and you needed to because that's so critical. But in 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Now, Paul had every right to say that, and the reason why is he gives us some outline there, and you, that's a homework assignment, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, there was one time there was 500 of us gathered together, and whew, Jesus appeared. 500. Isn't that pretty great? Wouldn't it be great if Steven Spielberg got a hold of some good information? I mean, man, great plot for a beautiful movie. 500 people gathered together in church, and according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus appeared in their midst. Uh, if you will, Paul went on to say, he appeared to me also. I was, on the road to, I was on the road to Damascus, and there Christ appeared to me, one out of due season. In other words, we're not one of the disciples that walked with him, but one that came to faith later, and that's our brother Paul. And so now Paul says this, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Notice with me the rest of the verse, and he's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That first fruits means this. He is the first one. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole depth of this theology because it'd take me an hour. And one of the things I really don't want to be is a boring preacher. And so I believe in getting in, getting it done, and, and preaching it, and you understand it exactly. But understand this. Jesus was the very first one that went from death into heaven. He was the first fruits, the very first one. When I find in Scripture there was a holding place, let me give you briefly, there was a holding place called Abraham's bosom. And this Abraham's bosom was a holding place for everyone that died prior to Christ. Remember when Jesus looked at the thief on the cross, what did he say? He said another name for this holding place. He said, today... You'll be with me in paradise today. What did he say to Mary three days later, Sunday morning? He said, Mary, don't touch me yet. I've not ascended. Where did he go then? On that first day. Uh, today, you're going to be with me in paradise, Abraham's bosom. So he was telling that to the thief. He didn't ascend to heaven until three days later. So the reality is those three days, Jesus was very busy. The first place he went was the temple. Are you with me? At the moment of death, I can't make it, I can't make it quick enough. At the moment of death, the veil of the temple tore from top to bottom. Why? Because Jesus died and he went and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. Uh, scripture, Hebrews 9 and 10 is the place to study because it's not with the blood of bulls nor goats nor the sprinkling of the ashes of heifers, but with his own precious blood, he went into the holiest of holies, laid down himself as the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. That's Jesus. He tore then the veil of the temple, providing access. We have access to God the Father through God the Son. Are you with me? Then he went to a place and preached to the dead saints. Because, listen to me, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son. Even for Abraham and Moses. They couldn't make it without Jesus. And so Jesus preached to them. And then there's this tuck away scripture in Matthew that says, when Jesus Christ arose from the dead, that many of the dead saints appeared to many. Well, that, that didn't really miss you up, but it's a great study. And, and, the, and the reason why all these dead saints appeared to many is because Jesus went and preached to them, and now they're rising with him, and now he leads them. He is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. 
He is the first one. Uh, Colossians says that the Father was so pleased in the Son that He gave Him preeminence in everything. That's Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And He wanted the Son to have preeminence in everything, even the resurrection. He wanted the Son to be the very first one to be able to go from death to life eternal. That's pretty great. Anybody say amen? amen? That tells me that He is worthy to be identified as the conqueror of death. Uh, that tells me that death had no hold on my Jesus. Uh, it had a hold on Abraham, had a hold on Isaac, and had a hold on David, and had a hold on, if you will, all the Old Testament prophets and everyone that died before Christ. Death had a per pretty tremendous hold, but Jesus Christ went to the dead saints. He went to those held in captivity. He delivered those in captivity. He set them free, and then with the cross of Calvary made a public spectacle of all the rulers of darkness triumphing over them in the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he destroyed death. Uh, literally, he crushed the serpent's head. Uh, the very first mention of this is Genesis 3 and 15. I said I wasn't going to go this far, but it's just okay. I got to go. I got to uh, 3 and 15, uh, if you will, he crushed the serpent's head. And now you're fighting a defeated foe. Death has no hold on us again. Uh, you can't threaten a Christian with death. Because when I die, I get to go to heaven. I got a perpetual smile on my face. I'm a really nice guy because I know that everything here is temporary. Hey, man, I'm going to a place, according to Revelations 21, where the gates are pearl. Man, that had to be a big oyster, amen? Uh, where the gates are pearl, the streets are gold, there's no pain, no sorrow, no death. Uh, the tabernacle of God is with man. If you want to go see God, just go talk to God right there. And we're no longer aging. That ought to get some of you happy. You know, uh, there's no wheelchairs, no walkers, no hospitals, no insurance, no taxes, no Republicans, no Democrat, no Biden. I'm going to hit something to get, make you happy yet. There's none of this garbage we've got to deal with now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus arose from the dead. Hallelujah. See, we have a reason to celebrate. Amen. Go with me if you would, please. Because I see an example in the disciples of what we need to do. And you're doing it a little bit, and that's this. John 20, 19, 20. Then the same day at evening, that tells me Sunday evening, evening church. Okay, some of y'all got that, some didn't. Then the same day at evening, at Sunday evening church, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, so they gathered together on Sunday evening, and they were fearful. The doors were shut for the fear of the Jews. So not only were they grieving, mourning, but they were also full of fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now they believe. Now these hard-headed atheists 
when they see him, he said, okay, here, look, 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 look. And they looked, and now they believed. Jesus has a special blessing for you. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. I've not seen. I haven't physically seen the holes in his hands or the holes in his feet or the spear hole in his side. I personally have not seen it. But I believe. If you will, notice with me the NIV, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I believe that when we Christians, we ought to be different than the world. I really don't believe that Christians ought to be a bunch of pouty-faced, you know, looking all spiritual. And I want to say, what's spiritual about that? I think we ought to be overjoyed. I think we ought to be the, you know, the most positive, friendly people on the planet, not, not act like you just ate a prune or something, you know. I think we ought to be victorious. See, without the resurrection beliefs, they were miserable, grieving, hopeless, fearful, discouraged, and depressed. With the resurrection belief, they were glad, they were overjoyed, they were full of faith, they were confident, they were secure, and they were hope-filled. See, the reality is, it's so good to live with the belief that there's something more than this. And and I'm going to tell you point blank, and please just understand, there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be. And it is so good to live with the belief that 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 is after this is something really good that is better than this. Because I know a lot of you are kind of like me, not everything in this life has gone, you know, just perfect and, and, and roses. You know, I know some of you think that when you become a Christian, you know, the birds come out singing. But the reality is sometimes those birds just poop on you, you know? And sometimes life, life is a difficulty. It is. But thank God there's something better than this. I got a promise of something that is tremendous compared to this. I'm going to tell you again, there's got to be something more than this. And I'm going to tell you also, understand this, foolish is the person who doesn't prepare for the inevitable. See, the reality is you're going to die. You are, I'm him. I mean, the evidence, uh, there's no 200-year-old people here. Are you with me? I mean, I'm just using logic. You're going to die. And foolish is the person who doesn't prepare for the inevitable. Okay, if you'll notice with me, this is the difference. Without the resurrection, preaching was vain, faith was empty, we're liars, we're still sinners, we're dead as dead, and we're miserable. But with the resurrection, uh, preaching has purpose, faith has value, our words are true, we're forgiven, the dead live again, and we're happy. It's all the resurrection difference. That's the title of the message, The Resurrection Difference. Thank God that we know Christ conquered death in the grave. I went and saw my my mother this week. My mother is uh, in a nursing facility. She's almost uh, 95, 92. Thank you. 92 years old. And I try to go see her every week. I, I visit her once a week. She has dementia, Alzheimer's. And I've heard dementia, Alzheimer's be called the slow goodbye. And boy, it is. Uh, sometimes I'll visit her and she'll know who I am. Sometimes she doesn't. It just, you don't know. Uh, I visited her this past week and, and, and she said my name a couple times while we were talking. And, 
and uh, she doesn't know that my sister died. But she said, well, you know, Loretta's been visiting me. And I said, oh, great. And um, then we talked for a while. And uh, there's a picture of my dad over there that's married 67 years. And I, and I said, hey, you remember, you remember James, Diane, Gary? And yeah, yeah, I remember them. And I said, do you remember Horace? You know, he was your husband. And mm, no, I don't, I don't remember him. You know, I said, well, y'all were married. No, I don't remember him. And I said, this is Easter. This Sunday's going to be Easter. I said, do you remember Easter? He said, no, I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember what Easter is. And then I said, well, you know that God loves you. And I said, for God so love. And it, she, she kicked it. And she said, I said, for God so love, and then she said, the world, and gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, she finished it. She still knows what's important. She might have forgot that, and, and honestly, she forgets me, and honestly, she forgets everybody. But the reality is, down deep in her spirit, she remembers what's important. I'm going to tell you, church, on this Easter Sunday, somebody needs to tell you what is really important. Uh, this life is temporary. Uh, you, you can't live this life as if this is all there is. Because it, like many people do, they're living this life as if this is it. You know, party hardy, you know, use the drugs, use the alcohol, use the sex, use whatever it is that makes you feel good. Uh, do it now because you're going to die. When you die, it's over. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. They're living like this is it. Right. And I'm going to tell you, this is not it. Right. This is just a dressing room for really getting to live. This is just a practice field. We're just practicing a little bit, kind of getting the feel for life. And then we get to go to eternal life. And then, then you really understand what life is. And so please understand, you don't want to put all of your devotion in this temporary life. Because there's something that is eternal. There's only one way. Please look at me. My mom knows it. There's only one way to the Father. And it's through the Son. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son to die on that old rugged cross called Calvary, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but be able to live forever. He conquered death. He conquered the grave that you could receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior this morning. And you could live with the promise of eternal life. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for Calvary and all the accomplishments of it. Thank you for freedom, freedom from, from guilt, freedom from regret. Thank you for freedom from, from all the mistakes of this life. Thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough to cleanse us of every sin. We glory in your accomplishment. Thank you, Lord, that you led captivity captives, that you conquered death, you conquered the grave, and you are our perfect example of us living in total victory. Father, I pray right now across this congregation 
that you would draw to you. Any that are here this morning that are away from you, maybe they've known you at one time, maybe they've never made a commitment to you. But Lord, in the truth of knowing where they are, when they evaluate, they, they realize they're not right, they're not ready, they need you. I pray that, Lord, you would honor them by drawing them right now. May the Holy Spirit draw them. And, Lord, break down every wall, remove every barrier between them and you. And I pray that today, today would be the day of salvation. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, and no one looking around, I want to pray with each one here that is ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you in rededicating your life to the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk to the front. I'm going to just lead you to Christ with you seated right there. And you're going to pray a sinner's prayer, making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You're here this morning. You're ready to rededicate your life to the Lord. Would you raise your hand? Now's the time. Just let me know you're here and that you're going to pray the prayer. Just raise your hand. Slip your hand up, and then you can slip it right back down. You're here this morning. You need Jesus. Is there anything this morning as you slip your hand up accepting Christ? There may be some by way of live stream. You've joined us on this Easter Sunday morning and you've heard a message about the love of God. I'd love to be able to lead you in a sinner's prayer of salvation and you there can join these here and make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna pray this prayer and if you're here this morning, this is the time that we're preparing our hearts to receive the communion. Every Christian here, we need to ask for forgiveness of our sin because the only thing that makes you worthy to receive these elements is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need a fresh and new applying of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you would, let's, let's everyone pray this prayer. There may be someone by way of live stream that's gonna pray this prayer accepting Christ. So if you would pray with me and let's lead them to Christ. Pray with me, say, Lord Jesus, Everyone in the congregation, if you're not ashamed of Christ, pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me my sin. Cleanse me of my sin. And help me live for you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I glory in the victory of your resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'd like to ask those that are serving the communion, if you would please come and prepare yourselves to serve the body. We're going to do this together. We're going to receive communion. We're going to have a special prayer time for those that are here this morning needing sick, that are sick, that are needing healing. Jesus paid the high price for your salvation. He paid the high price for your healing. Father, I pray your blessing upon these that serve our communion, that, Lord, you would honor their servant's heart, and that, Lord, we pray that you would bless the people as they take the elements, hold them for just a moment, and, Lord, honor even this time of serving in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, man. If you would please serve the congregation. Time forgiven because you were forsaken you were condemned and thank you thank you brother the spirit is within me because you died and rose
Let me just verify to, we don't want to miss anyone. Did anyone not get served that would like to be served? The, the ushers are ready to, to serve you. If, God bless your heart. Thank you, man. Thank you. If you don't have fingernails, you may have to get your wife to open that. And that, that top just peels off. And that little plastic... Congregation, you stand with me, please. Now, if you're unable to stand, God understands 100%. Thank you, Lord. If you would, let's have a prayer. Father, we pray your blessing upon these elements. For the next few moments, Lord, we won't allow our heart and our mind to go to Calvary the high price that was paid for our sin, the high price that was paid for our healing, and the victory that you had all the way through it. Lord, our mind, our heart goes to you. We remember. On the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. We know that the broken body of Jesus Christ is for our healing. What I'd like is this. Please look at me just a moment. You're here this morning. You need a healing. I'd like, would you please come and stand across the front of this church? You're here this morning. You want a healing. Because I've seen miracle after miracle of healing in times of communion. So you're here this morning. You want what this little wafer represents to become a part of your body. It represents the healing of Jesus Christ. Would you just come and stand all across the front? And I'm going to give you a moment. If the Lord's still dealing with you to come and stand here, it's okay. Thank you, Lord. 
Now I'd like at least one person behind each one of these that are standing. Would you come by faith, just stand behind them and, and encourage them. Thank you, Lord. God bless your heart. Scripture tells us again that by his stripes, in his wounds, we are healed. Can you say amen? amen? Every step of faith that these people have made to move to the front is going to be honored by God. God honors steps of faith. I'm anxious to hear the report. I'm anxious to hear the testimony. Would you pray with me? Father, right now we hold this little wafer in our hands and it represents the abuse that Christ took for our healing. In your wounds, by your bruises, in your stripes, in that scourging, in that suffering, you paid the price for our healing. And Lord, I pray right now, each one that has come by faith just to receive this healing. We pray right now, Father, that this little element as we receive it into our body, that we'd also by faith be receiving what it represents. It represents you and the price that you paid. So Lord, we glory in the brokenness of your body. And we pray that Lord, you would manifest healing miracles. May there be miracles in the lives of each one. And Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. And Father, please now bless this bread as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, if you would, please let's receive together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord. If you would prepare your cup to receive. And on that same night in which Christ was betrayed, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant of my blood. No longer the sacrifices of animals, but now the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I know there's some others of you that want to come around the front. And if you're like me, I, I just kind of waited for the guy to give me an opportunity. If you would love to come around the front, I want to invite everybody that can. Would you come out of respect to the blood of Jesus Christ and just stand across the front of this church? It's okay. Come on, come on, come on up front. Just stand across the front. We're coming out of respect to what we hold in our hand, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God. It's good to unite together. It's just so good to stand together. I love this. See, this is what Christianity is all about, being with people of like faith and encouraging one another. See, this little cup that we hold in our hands is a representation of the most powerful element that has ever been on planet Earth. Uh, let me tell you, the most powerful element that's ever been on planet Earth is not plutonium. It's not uranium. Anybody say amen. amen. The most powerful element that's ever been on planet Earth is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're holding this out of respect for what it represents to us. Now, like the Catholic Church, when I take this in, it does not become blood. 
when I put the weight from my mouth, it doesn't become flesh. Amen. That's just gross. This is grape juice, but it represents something so important. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's bless it together. Father, we bless the cup. And Lord, we remember. We remember every drop of blood that was given for our remission, our removal of sin. And Lord, we glory. We glory in calling you Redeemer. You're my Redeemer. You took my place. We glory in calling you the Redeemer of all mankind. And Lord, this little cup that we hold in our hands represents that precious blood that was shed. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for every drop of blood that was given on Calvary. And thank you for the victory that was won. So Lord, we bless the cup and we receive it in remembrance of you. Church family, if you would, please let's receive together. Scripture says this, it says, for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death till he comes. I get to tell you, he's coming back. He's coming back. Would you worship him together? Lord, we worship you. We magnify Jesus, Lord of all. You're worthy of our praise. You're you're worthy of our adoration. You're worthy of our exaltation. We glory in the accomplishments of Calvary. We're not ashamed of the gospel, Lord. We proclaim it. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We live it, Lord. We bless the name of Jesus. May you be high and lifted up. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. Lord, we thank you for the victory of Easter. We thank you for the victory that you conquered death, you conquered the grave, and we carry within us the promise of eternal life, that there is something better than this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you can put a smile upon our face. You put a lightness in our step, and you make this life worth living. We glory in you, Lord. We magnify you. Thank you for the blessings that we enjoy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. Can you say amen? Uh, I know that the Lord delights in us worshiping him. But I'm going to tell you also, a thing that brings a smile to the Lord's face is when we show love to one another. Uh, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. How? Because of the love that you have for one another. So if you would, for the next few moments, shake hands, hug necks. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. God bless you. I love you. Bless your heart. Good to see you today. Uh, I make eye contact with every one of you. Happy Easter. Thank God for the victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You, my King, would die for me. Yes. Amazing love. I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you. Amazing love. How can it be? 
that you, my King, would die for me. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. 